Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of Creatives on Business. My name is Henry Marsh and it is my job to chat to amazing creative human beings who have made a career and business out of the things that make their minds tick. With me today in this Zoom conversation all the way from the UK is an architect, architecture and interior photographer, started his photography journey with an iPhone in 2008 turned it into his career at the age of 35. Since then, he's worked with local and international brands before turning his focus to architecture photography in 2018. Alessio, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Dude, it is such a pleasure. Dude, thank you so much for, for joining us all the way from the UK, man. Yeah, man, it's only a pleasure. Thank you. Mm. So you're based in London, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Um, for the people out there who don't know, apart from the little bio that I've just read, who is Alessia? <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a really complex question. Um, so at the moment, I'm a real estate photographer for a company in, uh, in London. But before that, um, let me go all the way back to about 2007, 2008. So I used to work in retail and like in restaurants for like a very long time. Um, and I kind of like didn't know where I was going with my life, or what I was doing. Uh, I was a bit all over the place, kind of like distracted. But anyway, so I ended up working at, at this ocean basket and they've got this computer there and it's connected to the internet. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me like mess around with the internet. I know the, the, it's a long story, but it's, it's, it's a goodie. I hope, I hope it makes sense. Anyway. So I get started on social media. So I get started with like Twitter or whatever. And then I see this Instagram thing come up. Okay, cool. Instagram looks cool. Um, install it on my phone. I had this, like, I got like the iPhone 3GS. I was like, okay, cool. Let me, let me do this. Um, and I was on Twitter and I take like random photos on Instagram. Um, and then on Twitter, I saw someone say, listen, there's these guys that go around Joburg and they do these Insta walks. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's see what it's all about. And then I went on my first one in Mabinang. Um, it was with Roy Ranch, uh, Tim Van Royen, uh, and Dile Buka, Levon Locke, and Bradley Roberts. And I went and I was hooked, like hook, line, and sinker. Like this, this was it for me. And I absolutely loved it. So I became friends with the guys and they do this like every weekend or every couple of weeks. And man, it was just so amazing. Like we'd go around Mabinang and it's just like you're in on the secret because when people go to Joburg, they're like, they go to like the Santons and the Rosebanks and that's all nice and pretty, but like there's so much more to like experience, like visually and mentally and like everything, like the whole experience is just mind blowing. And, um, I think that's what got me hooked. And then from there, um, I took a lot of photos with my phone for a couple of years. Um, and then I got myself one of those Canon's very first mirrorless camera. It's like, it was called the Canon M at the time. And, um, I played around with that. I wasn't too great with that. So I, was, I still carried on using my phone. And then I think it was 2014. I figured, okay, let me get serious about this. And I bought myself my first full frame camera. I got a Canon 6D and then things just kind of like took off from there. Dude, that's wild. Uh, it, it's actually so funny because one of the conversations that I've had before is, is with a mutual friend of ours, Alexi. And yeah. he tells a very, very similar story about how he got into the whole photography thing through, through Instagram. So clearly, clearly Instagram has been like a really, really big part of your progression into photography. Would you say that's true? Yeah. 
I think Instagram actually, it, it, I actually made like a living. Well, not, I, I wouldn't say I made a living, but Instagram like kind of like got me out there. Um, and that's how I started getting like photography jobs, like just using my iPhone, which I thought was and um yeah that actually gave start like gave me the confidence to actually like if i can solve and i can measure what i can do with a camera so yeah so that's inspired me on my journey um so one of the things that you know if you're if you're a photographer at any point of the stage of of, of taking photographs and, and becoming a professional photographer you, there's inevitably this move towards full frame and, and you mentioned earlier that you you went from the the, the canon m to to a 6D was that like a big game changer for you? Um, the the Canon M was like really limited. It was very very basic, and like I was on the fence between getting like a Canon 6D and I think it was a 70D at the moment or the 80D, which was out as well. But still, I'm also a firm believer in like buy the like the most you can afford because it'll probably last you longer. You know, like. So that's what I did. I was like on the fence for a long time, and I was I consulted like so many of my friends, and like just just go full frame. And uh, I'm actually glad I did. Cool. So you you've already mentioned that you you got into the whole photography thing through through Instagram. Um, at that point, you know, when you was you was taking photographs and posting to Instagram, were you working as a full time photographer at, the, at that time, or were you doing something else to pay the bills? No, I was, um, so when I was, when I was doing that, I think I was still, I was doing like social media and like building websites and stuff. Um, but it was very, very basic stuff. So it was like enough to get by, you know, like I'd build a website here and there and like help people with their social media, like accounts, but never really anything like great. So like I studied graphic design in college and, um, I've got a creative side to me and um, like I think when it's in you like you'll never feel fulfilled unless you're like creating something it doesn't have to be like as a career but even as a hobby and like I didn't really have many hobbies at that stage so like I didn't have any fulfillment and like doing that stuff didn't really fulfill me at all. So how long do you think it, it took you to to start getting into the photography full-time that you were actually making enough money from the photography to to sort of sustain yourself? Um, I think maybe two or three years, maybe. Um, look, I still did like some social media work up to like two or three years ago. Like it was just stuff on the side. It was like, it was a steady income. So I mean, because you know, like with photography, there's months, it's it's up and down and you can't really predict your income. But it, it was it was like a nice like fallback. So yeah. But um, I think in the last two years, I think I've, I've managed to do it um, exclusively, yeah. Yeah. So a large part of your job before, before photography was, was obviously social media. Um, have you found now that a lot of your work is still coming through social media with, with the work that you're currently doing? Or is social media sort of just a place for you to display your work as a portfolio of sorts? Um. I think a bit of both. Um, when I first got into the architecture stuff, like I needed to build a portfolio, obviously. So I, I did, I did like a reach out on Facebook and I like, listen, if you've got like really cool spaces to shoot, I'd love to shoot them for free. Um, 
mainly just to build my portfolio. And I know it's like it's the wrong thing to do, but I mean, unless you can get access to places and just do like a swap for images. So I did that. I did that with uh, the Rand Club in Joburg because um, I did a, a shoot there previously with them. So I kind of had a bit of a relationship with them. Um, I also did it with like various interior designers um, and like no work came from those like people directly. But I think just having that work in my portfolio kind of like helped me have like a, a place where I could show other interior designers and architects and stuff my work. So what I did in the beginning was I actually ran Google ads, which actually worked out to be pretty successful. I got to work with um, a big property development company in South Africa. Um, and I shot some of their properties and um, I did some work for interior designers. But on Instagram, I actually got to work with like a really big um, architecture firm and they landed me two really nice gigs. And this happened like just before we were like packing up to come to the UK. So it's just bittersweet, but it, it was really cool. Like they, they saw my stuff. I tagged them on Instagram on a, a picture that I took and they were like, okay, cool. We'd like you to come shoot some stuff, which was great. I mean, you, you didn't always shoot architecture things. So, so how did you, was that always a dream of yours that you wanted to shoot architecture or, or how did that architecture thing come about? So um, I was just, I was a general photographer and I was just shooting like everything. And, um, but as you know, like obviously you started with like the street and urban stuff and like a constant theme in my urban stuff was like architecture in some shape, way or form. It would be like, shooting really cool buildings or shooting from buildings, like rooftops and shooting out into the city. And there was always an, an element of architecture in my work. So I didn't really pay it any mind, but then I'd, I'd shoot like a lot of general stuff. And I felt like, you know, I needed to, to move into a niche and also to be able to specialize in something. So I gave it some thought and I thought, yeah, let me do this fashion thing maybe. And then I was like, you know what, just, let's just think about this because I'm an introvert and I'm really, I'm really bad at like directing people because I've second shot a couple of weddings as well. And I was like, no, I'm really bad at this. Like I, I tend to stick in the background and just like shoot like a documentary style. And then I thought like architecture would be great because like, I don't have to really speak to buildings. It's like, I can go out there, be on my own, do my thing. Um, and then when I thought back, I was like, you know, like there is like, I had that love of architecture from what I used to do with like my street photography and the Instagram stuff. So I thought, let me just uh, get that polished up and take it from there. So when you started getting into the architecture thing and, and the interior work, did you find, was there a lot of work in South Africa for that kind of thing? I mean, obviously in the UK, that's, that's not all that you, you, you're doing right now, but was there a lot of that kind of work in South Africa? Uh, I think there is. I think you just need to know where to look. Um, and I think it's also, it's also like with, with everything, it's like, it's, it's all about relationships and getting to know people. Um, but yeah, what I, what I did is I just put my work out there, like on Instagram, I tag the architects of like the buildings that shoot and stuff. So, I mean, like I got noticed and it's working, working to an extent for me here as well. So I'd shoot like a random building, which I think is like really cool. Um, and I tag the architects and stuff. And I've gotten like a couple of local architects following me. I've got like a DM or two from a couple of architects as well and like interior designers. So like I'm getting noticed, but obviously you've got to play the long game. Nothing's going to happen like overnight. So I'm just, that's why I got a job in the beginning when I got here. So it just helped me like 
start like the first year or two, whatever, whatever it takes to like make those contacts and meet those people and network and just like get my name out there. And then when I feel like I'm, I'm at that point where I can actually make a living from it, then I can make the jump. But thank goodness I actually did get a job because um, the government's paying me to be at home while this uh, corona thing's happening. So it actually worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, your job at the moment is is still r- related to to photographing building, buildings and the inside of buildings. Uh, look, real estate photography is another beast. Eh? It's um, it's like so with with architecture photography, it's about like creating a mood and a feeling of a space or a building. With real estate, not so much. <laughs> so, so agents just want their their uh, properties to like as light and bright as possible and as, as big as possible. So like within the real estate photography kind of like community, like if you're shooting at 16 moles, that's like pretty wide and you know, it's like as wide as you should go. I'm shooting with a 12 mole lens at the moment <laughs> to make it look like super big. So I wouldn't say there's an artistic element to it or creative element to it. I think it's more like just, the run and gun like i shoot like three or four properties a day max and then edit those as quickly as i can same day and have them like to put them up on like websites and stuff so that people can start renting and the thing is i'm shooting like rental websites at the moment as like rental properties so it's tenants and they don't really care about the appearance of the property and a lot of a lot of tenants in london are very transient so they'll they'll have a lease for six months they don't really care about their furniture too much they don't clean up after themselves. So it's, it's always a surprise walking into a property and, and seeing what you'll get. I'm sure you've got a couple of stories. What, what is literally the worst thing that you've seen? Or what's the craziest story you've got to tell us about what you've seen walking into some apartment? So I, I get sent to this one place. So what I normally do is I, I ring a doorbell like twice. And then if no one answers the doorbell, I knock on the door. Okay, sweet. So I ring this doorbell once, twice, no answer. Knock on the door once, twice, no answer. I open the door, I go in, I'm like, hello, nothing. So I drop my gear at the door and then I do like a quick walk around just to see like more or less where I am and like what the layout of the of the flat is. So I go, I, I stick my head in the one bedroom and I start setting up my gear. And this lady walks out of the bedroom. I didn't see her. She walks out with a gown, very calm and casual. It's like, hi. I'm like, how are you doing? Okay, cool. And then she walks downstairs and she proceeds to make toast, which she burns and the the fire alarm goes off. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, sweet. She's like, no, don't worry. I'll be downstairs while you're taking photos. Okay, cool. So I take photos. And um, yeah, the place was also like a bit of a mess, whatever. So then I get back to... uh, get back to the office and I see this email and it's like listen whatever you do just don't post those photos just delete it so I'm like what's up so I find out from one of the other managers that apparently this lady's partner phoned the agency and said I went into their apartment I like I, I just went straight in there I didn't knock or anything and um, I stood over the bed and stayed at the woman in bed for like 20 minutes and like <laughs> I was like what the hell <laughs> I was like, no way. So yeah, so he threw up a big fuss. But we, we came to the conclusion that there was something to hide in the flat. Um, and they just didn't want it in photos. So that's why they made us delete the photos. But yeah, that was pretty weird. And jokes aside, like a couple of months later, I get 
tend to that those people exact like next door neighbor and this dude's got like these weird like he's like please don't take photos of, of the altar i have in my room i'm like okay and it's like and it's really weird it's got like these weird like little trinkets and this photo of this like weird lady so this dude is into like these african not these brazilian or these amazonian tree frogs where um you you extract the poison from because the poison's poisonous to other animals but not to humans entirely and um so he makes this concoction and he like you drink it and apparently you go on the spiritual journey and he does this from home and he does this for other people and it's like these people like right right next door to each other i'm like no this something's going down in that neighborhood yeah it's pretty scary were you doing any real estate photography in in south africa can you compare the sort of vibes between the uk lifestyle and, and the south african lifestyle well, not really yeah look um so like i mentioned earlier like in london it's, it's a lot of it's like very transient people are like here for work um it's a lot of people that are from out of town and like accommodation is like pretty damn expensive here so um Okay, so the company that I work for, just to give you an idea, um, we're in North London in an area called Islington. So for an, a decent two-bedroom flat, you're looking at about 2,000, 1,800, 2,000 pounds a month, which times by 23, <laughs> so it's quite heavy. Um, but then in South Africa, like we've got more space. Mm. And when I was doing property photography in South Africa, it was more for um, owners selling their places so they'd really make sure it was like cleaned up and set up and really looking amazing when I when I'd go in and shoot them. So it wasn't it wasn't a mess, which really makes a huge difference. And also like they'd stage it nicely. So like I did some real estate photography in South Africa. I took maybe like six or seven places. Like also Google Ads worked really well for me. And um, yeah, I think huge huge difference. Eh? Uh, so so no altars or frogs taking you on a spiritual no journey. no thank goodness yeah <laughs> good grief <laughs> man it's... uh you've you've mentioned google ads quite a number of times how did you learn to do the google ad stuff was that just from your previous um social media things or how did you get onto the google ads thing yeah so um I dabbled in Google ads. Um, I used to sell like um, Olive clips online, like a long time ago. I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, so I did, um, I, I, I ran Google ads so that um, to help me sell the stuff. So they were very basic. I, I've got like a very rudimentary knowledge. Um, I wouldn't call it expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but then, I got into shooting this um, at a retirement home in Pretoria. I got into shooting like um, their units and stuff. And they asked me to do Google ads. And also like, I did some keyword research, also very rudimentary ads, but they did have like some, some kind of success to them. So I figured like if it works for other people, like let me give it a shot. And um, yeah, I just, so I'd run, what I did was I built landing pages for every single aspect of the business. So there's real estate photography, interior design, and architecture photography. So, um, like, there's there's like this understanding that you shouldn't let your real estate um, portfolio be like on the same page as your as your um, architecture stuff. It just kind of like cheapens it a bit. So I kept it totally separate. So I'd have a landing, so I'd, have, I'd run an ad, and that would 
points like for real estate example i'd run an ad and that two points directly to my real estate landing page so it'd be a bare bones landing page i can't click out of it or they can close the window but like there aren't any links to go anywhere else and it'd just be like a little bit of copy um one or two images and a contact form and um yeah that kind of like got me a couple of real estate mainly real estate jobs um and then the one with the, the huge property developer, which turned out to be quite lucrative, and then um, one or two interior designers as well. Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing for for someone, especially in the photography realm, and especially in South Africa, is photography is not regulated in any shape or form. So you don't you don't necessarily need any formal education on photography. So how did you learn photography? Was it just on the job? You just made things up as you went, faked it till you make you made it, or what was the vibe? Yeah, that that, that was a big part of it. But um, I think it was 2013. Um, I got a Skillshare scholarship. I won it, like so. It's, uh, it was a year of Skillshare for free. And um, Trash and the, the street photographer, he did like this whole. Um, he did four different courses, which like I followed religiously, and I went out, and like I. I practiced like what I learned and like I think that like elevated my work quite a bit and then um when it came to like the architecture and the real estate stuff like um I went out and I bought Mike Kelly's tutorials on f-stoppers um there was I waited for the I think it was the Black Friday had it they had Black Friday special so I got like all three because I was like listen if I'm gonna do this I might as well do it properly so I got I got the bundle of all three and I just started from there. I started with like the real estate stuff, um, which is like in his first tutorial. The second one is more like architecture, which I can relate to more. And then the third one's like more about like hotels and like really high end, um, like commercial kind of stuff. And yeah, I just started from there, like the the principles that I learned there, and then also like because once once you get into that, you get you you've got access to like um, his Facebook group and like you just kind of like learn like from other people's experiences as well and I did a lot of research on like YouTube about like real estate photography and stuff and you kind of like get an idea like you try like all of this out and you kind of like see what works for you and what doesn't so I'd like to think um, my work is kind of like it's a bit of this and a bit of that so it's not like really religiously following like one person's like method i think i've kind of like created my own like i've got my own like recipe and yeah that works for me so but i reckon i've still got a lot to learn like i'm i don't think i'm at a place where i'm like i love my work and i think it's perfect it's one of the interesting things that i picked up with this series of, of conversations that i've been having is I have a lot of respect for everyone in, in, in each respective industry of the people that I've spoken to, but almost all of them have, have stated that like they're not anywhere close to finishing their learning journey. So it's, it's really cool that you mentioned the same thing. And you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, actually, that when you started out with the real estate and the, and the architecture photography, you reached out to friends and you know people on Facebook saying, Hey, can I just come and photograph your house or your building? Um, I'll give you the photographs for free. And, and you said something, you said it, it was the wrong thing to do. Why did, why did you say that? Um, I think it gets found upon um, in the photography community because it's like, it's, it's devaluing our work. Um, but I've also, I've read somewhere online, it's like, if you're going to do work, you either do it for free or you do it at full price. So 
I did it for free so that I could get access and just to build my portfolio. Um, otherwise, I'd have to pay someone for access to um, to their properties or buildings or whatever. So I think in the beginning when you're learning, it's a great idea, but like you've got to get to a point where like you build your portfolio to where you think you're happy with it and you can get paid for your work. And then like from there going forward, like just charge. Um, I think the person who, or at least I, I heard it from, from, from Chase Jarvis, he said, yeah, you either do something full price or completely free. There's no such thing as discounting. Um, yeah, exactly. And, sure. and and he sort of brings a charity aspect into it, but like I mean, look, I think there's there's a lot of other people's work is a little bit more fine art related. In which case, you know, if you're creating imagery that you can give away, that's that's a different kind of thing. Um, it's interesting to me though. You mentioned earlier as well that you have a you have a a degree in graphic design. Is that right? Um, it would have been if I completed my studies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I ended up dropping out my last year. Um, photography was actually one of my subjects. Um, this was way back in the day. I think um, my last year was 98. And back then it was still film cameras. So like, I hated the darkroom aspect of it. So like, mm. I just completely lost interest in photography because of it. And then, yeah. Well, would, would you say though that the graphic design aspect has, has sort of influenced how you also look at your photography? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think um, with regards to like composition and stuff and just like having like a more graphic composition, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's been really interesting chatting to you because you, you, you started off with the, with the street photography and the graphic design and, and you actually said yourself that you wouldn't say that your style is any one thing. You, you sort of draw upon all the different aspects of your life to create the imagery that you do. Um, and that's also one of the cool things that I've noticed with people who've become more and more successful in life is they're not just, they're good at one specific thing, but they've created their own style from drawing from different aspects of their lives. Um, and that's very cool to see with you as well. So I want to get into like a little bit more of the, the, the technical side of things with your, with your life. What is a day to, before the lockdown, obviously, and before we were yeah. all consigned to, to house arrest, what did a typical day look like for you? Um, okay. Like I'm going to give you an example, like from back in South Africa when it was like purely like architecture and like, um, architecture photography. Then I'll give you an example of, of, yeah, like working, working for the man. But anyway, so back in South Africa, like I'd still like, we, I'd try and wake up pretty early at like six o'clock in the morning, um, have breakfast, like do some admin at my desk, go to gym. And then like really get like into work. And if I wasn't um, doing admin, it's usually like outreach. It's like emails or like tweaking my Google ads or tweaking my website. Kind of like, I'm not great at marketing, I'd say. Um, I think it's the introvert part of me. So um, like whatever came inbound, that that's kind of like what, what worked for me. So um, in the beginning, I'd look up like architecture firms like everywhere try and like hunt down an email and then like see if I could make contact at all. Um, like out of like hundreds of people that, that I emailed, I think I got like one or two replies and then like nothing ever became, nothing ever came of it. But um, a lot of my day would be like just like marketing in, in the beginning, like doing admin, like doing the books, like capturing invoices and because uh, I was using Xero, um, it's like an accounting software. Mm -hmm. 
So a lot of my time was doing that. Like, and then on the days that I'd shoot, um, also like early call time, wake up like really early, like try and hit uh, the location at sunrise. And thing is, the weird thing is like, once I moved to Joburg, like I was, I was getting like a lot of photography gigs in Pretoria. So I ended up going back to Pretoria to shoot early in the morning. But um, yeah, when I'm out shooting, like I can spend the whole day and like that makes me happy. I'm in my happy place. Um, even editing, like a lot of photographers like don't enjoy editing. Like I, I enjoy like seeing like this raw product and then me like adding like touches to it and like not completely transforming it, but like making it like from something like mediocre, well, something that looks mediocre in the beginning to something that like turns out really amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I'd usually like, when I'm not out shooting, I'd leave my desk at about five o'clock still, even though I was working from home. I think um I think having a routine is pretty important. And just um just having like goals for the day. Over here on the other hand, um yeah, it's it's still wake up at six o'clock in the morning. Um so the company I work for has three offices. Uh the closest one is a, is a short six minute walk from home. So <laughs> I'm based there now. And uh I'd usually go go there and then I've got like a diary and I've got like three places to shoot for the day and I like travel between the three branches and go out and shoot but I try and get like my shoots done in the morning and then um, do my editing in the afternoon but it's, it's it's a long work day here it starts at nine o'clock in the morning we end at 6 in the evening um, and if I end up in one of the other uh, branches it takes me like another half hour to get home so like I leave home like okay five five to nine but I get home at like seven o'clock in the evening so it's a it's a pretty long day and you get home and you eat and like you're exhausted by like nine o'clock so it feels like your your life's kind of like escaping you but then like weekends we kind of like totally make up for it what's what's been the, your favorite thing moving to the uk um i'd have to say the culture there's like there's just like so much happening here, man. It's like it's like really cool. Like at the museums, like there's so much going down. Um, there's all these new exhibitions. Um, when we came here last year, just to check out London before we actually moved over, there was a the World Wildlife, Wildlife Photography Awards was at um, I can't remember what at the Natural History Museum. So we went and saw that last year, and then we saw it again this year. And I mean, it's like totally amazing. And also kind of like the access that you get here to, to like events and like people is like amazing. Like when I, when we just got here, we went on like this, this Instagram walk with, I don't know if you follow Alan Shaler on um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's this street photographer um, and his work is absolutely incredible. And I mean, it's just like, okay, Saturday, have like this free Insta walk with this dude that like, he's like this really brilliant photographer. It was um, actually missed another one. It was this dude, um, Six Streets Under. I don't know if you follow him. Also a street photographer from London, Josh Jack, um, Sean Tucker, and a couple of guys. They had like this pop-up exhibition. They were also having like talks and stuff. And I mean, like you don't get like access to like international um, like photographers and stuff as easily like in South Africa, you know? So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's <clears throat> it's one of the coolest things. Um, I feel like London is very much a hub for a lot of really awesome stuff in the whole wide world. People always just speak about London, and it's 
feel like that's the reason why. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, so if you were to look back now sort of, your, uh, of you, at your career in terms of photography of the last seven years, is there anything you would want to do, to do differently? You tell Alessio 2013, Brew, you should be doing this instead. Um, I think I would have probably turned my focus to architecture sooner um, and specialized sooner. I, th- I think I went through a long period where I was just, I was shooting like anything that came my way. And like the thing with that is as well as like, I don't know, like people don't take you seriously. I feel like if you specialize, like people will go to you for like a certain thing and not just hire you because like you're the cheapest or you're available or whatever. Like I feel like as a, as a specialist or like being in a niche, like people take you a whole lot more seriously. And um, yeah, I probably would have done that five years ago. Have you, I don't know, are you a big reader? Have you read any amazing books that have helped you in the last six months or year? Um, I read a lot of fiction. Um, some nonfiction stuff is more, it's more like about general creativity rather than photography related. Um, photography related, I'd read like blogs and stuff. Um, Mike Kelly has got this blog, it's called AP Almanac which is pretty amazing. Um, the resources in there are really, really great. He's got, um, he's got like a template on like how to build a contract and how to charge for your photography and like kind of like all of the challenges that come up for architecture photographers. Cause I think it's also like a really niche area and there isn't like a lot of information out there. So he actually brings like a whole bunch of information together on his website, which is pretty cool. Um, and that's, and watching tutorials. I think that's where I learned the most um what are the what are the non, what are the fiction and non-fiction books that you've been reading uh, apart from photography um <coughs> so i read a lot of lee child um james patterson like i think i've already read like 25 books this year hectic yeah like i really love reading um i read one called the art of creative thinking um I'll read like some really random stuff, but um, I've got a book called uh, An Opinionated Guide to London Architecture. Like it's just the architecture in London and really cool photos of it. But I mean, it's not like a photography book per se, but like the photos are really amazing. Um, uh, I get the Monocle magazine. I've got a subscription over here, which is pretty cool. So like, I don't know. I, I like to draw inspiration from like a lot of different like places it doesn't necessarily have to be um photography related but like i i I admire the craft in something like i can really appreciate like the the craft and the the emotion and the feeling and like the whole process that goes into something so like i kind of like draw inspiration from that i suppose so outside of photography and the amount of reading that you do what else really draws your interest Oh, funny you used the word draw. Actually, um, <laughs> I used to draw a lot of a lot of cartoons in the back of my, my school books from growing up. And um, with this lockdown, I thought, you know what, it'd be really cool to like draw cartoons again. So I went onto Amazon, I bought some uh, cartooning books, um, got some, I got a sketch pad, a pencil, and yeah, I'm back into drawing cartoons. It's just like I could spend hours doing that when I was like younger as a kid. I think that's why I went into graphic design because it was like the closest thing to like cartooning there was. So, yeah. 
um, there was something I wanted to ask just now with the, the books that you're reading and you mentioned the architecture book, um, opinion, something about opinion and architecture. And yeah, yeah. do you find yourself, cause I know with myself, I'm, I'm the kind of person I see the images, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on the web, whether it's on um, Pinterest, and I always try to recreate things. Do you find yourself doing the same thing with architecture photographs? You see a certain architecture photograph and you're like, how is this shot? Let me go find this building and find the time of day that it was shot and take something similar. Just to, just to go through that learning process. Um, yeah, I do. I think more, especially with like interiors and stuff. Um, so like with interiors, like I'd spend a lot of time like, trying to like hone the composition because like every place is like pretty new like buildings it's almost the standard formula because i mean there's only like one or two really great angles that you can get of a building um but i think with interiors like it it's so it's so different because i mean just like the layout of layout of furniture in a place can totally change how you shoot the space so i find that a lot with interiors i try and shoot one point perspectives as much as i can um but that's also like really challenging i mean it doesn't work in every space so you kind of like have to work around like the furniture and see how like it flows and like i mean there's a lot of like thought that goes into it you can't just like blind, blindly just go in there and just shoot it actually i don't know if you saw uh mike kelly actually did a crit on um Furno's photo he took some photos of his um of his apartment wherever he stays and Mike Kelly did a crit of his um, oh, yeah. interior photography. Yes, he ripped him a fire. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that I think that was posted in the last couple of days. I saw Fro Fro's yeah. I d I didn't watch yeah. the video. Uh, but that sounds like the kind of thing that that, <laughs> that would happen. But, uh, yeah, but the cool thing is like when like Mike Kelly does like a couple of these uh, photo critiques. Um and the thing is you actually you actually learn a lot from them because yeah. like it's one thing learning like the right way to do things to do things um and like following a formula but i mean by being critiqued you actually see that like you know you can't always apply that everywhere and like you kind of learn from there i think that's that also helps me learn a lot is like learning what i've done wrong or like what someone else has done wrong and how to do it correctly like going forward um it's one of the interesting things as well people have always mentioned that you, you learn a lot quicker when you've got a kind of a mentor. And obviously, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's happening when someone's critiquing your work. Have you found someone in your own life and in your own career that you would say is, has been a good mentor for yourself? Um, I wouldn't say that like in person kind of like mentors, but like a lot of like virtual people that well, not virtual people, they're real people, but like um, the, there's a lot of people that I connect with, like on the architecture side that like they're always like, very open and like very willing to like share um this guy in australia his name's andy mcpherson um he he was working in coffee shops like i think three or four years ago and he's doing like so well for himself because like he's really really killing it and um like he's always been open and he's been like if you've ever got questions or about anything just like let me know and um yeah he's he's been a really good resource to bounce off and he also like he's got a podcast with this other photographer called barry mckenzie it's called the bam podcast and they talk about um architecture and interiors and also talk a lot about um they have like guests on and they have like famous and really good like architecture photographers on there and like also just getting like a bit of insight into their way of thinking like also like really helps like because 
like a lot of it's a lot of like behind the scenes like how they like approach a shoot or even like how they approach clients how they got like their foothold into the architecture industry is actually really really interesting it's like it gives you a completely different perspective mm. if you were to look at the last little um say two or three years of your your career what's what's been your favorite failure or what's been a something that's taken place that you thought was a really big problem at the time but actually turned out to be pretty good for you at the end of it um <clears throat> damn um yeah it might have to go back further than three years but um I did a shoot for a sneaker company um, for the comrades. And um, so we had to shoot with athletes up here in Joburg and we had to shoot with athletes down in Cape Town. And um, they're like, yeah, we're going all in on this. Like, you know, lights and everything. And yeah, me like an idiot, I go with like little <laughs> speed lights, but anyway. And um, so we go, we do these shoots and like, there's there's a representative of the company with me and we're doing these shoots and then like they're overseeing it and um i send them all the images and stuff and i don't hear from them for like a long time so they're like listen uh like they have this call with me and like we took a look at these photos and something came up blurry and like like i wasn't the right person for the job and i thought like let me just give it a go um what have i got to lose <laughs> um but anyway, so I actually fronted the costs for all of that myself. And um, so, look, we had the conversation, like, the photos weren't going to work. And um, I wasn't comfortable to do a reshoot. And um, they said they'd cover my, co my costs, like the hard costs. Obviously, they weren't going to pay for the shoot, but they, they did pay me a little bit of money. But um, I think the big list, lesson that came out for me there was, like, um, even though, like, I'm a photographer, it doesn't mean I can shoot everything. I think um, I should rather stick to what I'm good at. Um, and I really believe that. I think a lot of the times when work comes my way and people are like, can you shoot X, Y, and Z? I'm like, no, I can't, but I know someone who can, and I'll refer them to a friend. Because I'd rather um, like save face and not like do a really bad job or like do, a, do an okay job. I'd rather have someone do a really great job. And um, because, well, the client comes away happy, like, so like making like a couple of grand out of something. I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't add up for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's really cool that you say that. And, and this sort of also kind of ties in a little bit with, with what you were saying about mentors and, and finding people who have been really open um, with, with giving you information and that kind of thing. And, and it's cool with what you were saying and what you, what you're saying now, because you're one of those kinds of people who, is also really free with the information and, and tips and advice that you give. Because I remember shooting a Volding a little while ago myself um, for, for a big um, ad campaign. And, and you were the first person I said, I came to and I was like, Hey man, I need some advice. I need, I, I don't really know exactly what I'm doing with this. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that was invaluable in, information from your side as well. Um, and I remember, I remember this so clearly. There was one thing that you told me, like, yeah, just desaturate the blues on the building. And I was like, <laughs> come on, like, what is this? this is like, come on. And it was like pro tip, man. It was amazing. Um, and it's, it's really cool, like, especially if you're, if you're able to chat to someone who has vast knowledge and, and an incredible experience with one specific genre, 
um, and how knowledgeable they can be and simple things that, that you can tweak to make your imagery so much better. Uh, I mean, that's, that's invaluable. That's really, really, really invaluable. Um, so I want to, I want to ask you, you know, we're obviously chatting to each other separated by a few thousand kilometers. Um, <laughs> but if you had the opportunity with your, with, with this microphone and, and headsets placed on every single person around the world, what, what message would you want to get out to people? Um, I think first and foremost, I think, um, as photographers, I think we tend to like drool over gear and we think like gear is going to solve all our problems. I think for me, like from experience, um, education comes first, like rather invest what you'd spend on a lens or whatever, like education might be expensive, but it's totally worth it. I think, um, it's the most valuable resource. If you ask me, um, like lenses, and like cameras and stuff like they all kind of like work the same um mike kelly on, on his first tutorial he showed like how he did like this amazing twilight exterior shot using like a cropped sensor kit lens like camera setup and he made it look like absolutely incredible so like don't let gear hold you back rather spend money on the resources get better and you'll you'll afford the gear going forward mm. um Speaking of going forwards, you, you mentioned earlier as part of the conversation as well that you, you sort of set goals for yourself and, and goals for the day. What is, what is Alessia's goal for the next 12 months? I mean, obviously, I think the current situation with the pandemic that is so rife all across the world is, has put a bit of a spoke into a lot of people's cogs or cogs into spokes. Um, but ultimately, what, what do you see yourself doing next year, two years, five years from now? Um, I think in the short term, as soon as things get back to normal, um, I'd like to negotiate like maybe working fewer days at the estate agency and like kind of like getting my name out there a bit more with like local architects and stuff. Um, there are actually so many architects in London. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, so if I walk maybe in like a 500 meter radius around where we live, I'd probably like there's about 10 or 12 architects. So I really like to get out there, um, maybe target a couple that I really, really want to work with and then just take it from there. Um, I, th I, th I think I can definitely do it. I think it just, it, it takes work and having a job isn't like that easy. I can't go to meetings. I can't, you know, I can't pick up phone calls. I can't do marketing. Um, so I'd really like maybe one or two days in the week just to be able to go out and like get my name out there. But eventually I'd like to transition over to like full-time architecture photography. Um, I'd love to go shoot Well, being based in London. I'd love to shoot like all over the UK. I'd love to go shoot in Europe. I think Norway is definitely my big goal. Um, the architecture there is absolutely incredible. It's really, really cool. Have you been to Norway before? I haven't. Apparently, it's like super expensive. Apparently, it's like a, like a third more expensive than London, and London is damn expensive. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the research. I'm like, maybe I should go like on a personal project mission there, and I'm like looking at like prices and stuff, and then I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, no, I'll figure something else out. <laughs> um I, it was actually funny i i was in helsinki in finland a couple of years ago and i met the 
um, he was sort of like the, the marketing director of Leica for um, the, with the Nordic region. And he was from Norway. Yeah. Um, interesting guy. Interesting crowd of, of, of people, I must be honest. Um, yeah, very different, yeah. So if you, if you ever do make your way up there, uh, send us photographs. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really, really, really on my bucket list. I think um, the architecture there is like very modern, but it's not... It's not like too out there. It's not like trying too hard. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like very like, it's like mature. It's like a very mature, subtle, modern style. It's amazing. Mm. Mm. Alessio, thank you so much for being on the show, man. For the people out there who are wondering where they can find you, what's, what are your handles? Where can people find you on the World Wide Webs? Um, so on Instagram, you can find me uh, my handle's Alessio Larufa, and that's for my architecture account. My other account is Alessio LR, um, and then my website is also alessiolarufa.com or alessiolr.com. Yeah, that's it. Do you have Do you have two of everything? The The LR was like for the street stuff, and I thought for the architecture I must be professional, so I just used the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing, dude. Yeah, Lesio, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, always, always, always. And for everyone else out there, I hope everyone is staying safe, staying sane, um, stay at home. Thank you for listening to another episode of Creatives on Business. My name is Henry Marsh, and I'll check you guys next time.